0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Lens Pod, an ophthalmology podcast geared for medical students. My name is Haley and I will be your resident host for this episode. In this episode, retina specialist Dr. Al will share his tips for approaching indirect ophthalmoscopy and using the 90-diopter lens at the slit lamp. Dr. Alkerson received his MD from the University of Chicago and completed ophthalmology residency and retina fellowship at Baskin-Palmer Eye Institute in Miami, Florida, where he served as chief resident. He is now in private practice working with the Retina Consultants of Texas. Welcome to our podcast, Dr. Alkerson.
1: Thanks for having me. It's good to be here.
0: For this part of our interview, which I plan to release as a separate episode, I wanted to pick your brain about some more technical skills and technical knowledge. In clinic, I, when I first started, I felt like I fell into the role of being handed the indirect sometimes in front of a patient in a busy attending clinic. And it was super intimidating because I barely even knew how to put it on. Um, and I was wondering if you have any tips for starting out and kind of how to practice getting better. Um, I know I have had some residents share some great things that they did, but I'd love to hear your advice. And I think a lot of listeners would benefit from it.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think, um, you know, as you mentioned, retina clinics tend to be the the busiest. Um, we're probably seeing the most patients of the specialties and certainly if you're coming from another field in medicine, um, you know, it could be three times as many patients as, for example, if you're in an internal medicine clinic. So um, I think it's important to kind of grasp that overall landscape and understand if things seem hectic, you know, um, that's, that's okay. Um, I would say as, you know, in life in general, if you can practice ahead of time, that's always a great option. You know, we sometimes take the med students um at at bass and palmer and we just have everyone dilate one eye um and practice there so you know it's your friends you're not worrying about uh, making the patient uncomfortable um you can kind of spend a little more time so if you can put yourself in a situation like that beforehand where you're not kind of completely doing things for the first time that's always really helpful And then in clinic, uh, I would also say, you know, I always like to touch base with the attending and the fellow beforehand. And I think they'd appreciate it um, as well from, you know, if folks are shadowing or rotating through and just ask, um, you know, how can I kind of best fit into, into clinic and just tell them, Hey, I have like one or two particular skills I want to work on. One is like indirect ophthalmoscopy. Um, and particularly if there's fellows there, you can say, you know, when can I slip into the exam room to be able to spend a little bit more time doing the examination? Um, so for example, some clinics, you know, the fellow will see every patient before the attending and they might have three different rooms. So if you touch base with the fellow ahead of time, he might send you kind of into the last patient that they're going to see, out of those three. And then you can, you know, look until the fellow or the attending comes and have a little bit more time rather than being kind of right with the attending in the room and only having, you know, the two seconds that they're going to take to look. So logistically, those are just some things just really touch base with folks and folks are usually um, uh, really eager to help out, but it helps if it's coming, you know, before clinic starts rather than um, in the middle of it. And then in terms of, uh, you know, actually talking about the exam itself, some basic things is in the beginning, uh, I always encourage folks to tilt the chair down all the way um, so that the patient's head is um, you know completely parallel with the floor. Um, so when you're doing the indirect ophthalmoscope, you have to basically think about it as a, you know, you're creating a line from your eye and from the light source that's sitting on your head through the pupil. And if you uh, adjust the patient back, it can be easier to get the light through the pupillary access. So you've, you know, lean the patient back completely. Um, and then I always start by finding a red reflex uh, in the beginning. So you can have them look at your ear, kind of get that glow, um, and then take the 20 diopter and kind of slip it right into, uh, in between the stream of the light bulb coming from your, your indirect set um, to, to the retina. And it's important to kind of keep things parallel and in a line. So if your lens is tilted too much, um, then you're going to scatter, redirect the light source. So again, try almost imagine if you had a string or a rod um, extending from the indirect up to the patient's eye and the spot on the retina that you want to see. And so if you're tilting things, or if, the, if your hand is not in the, in the direction and path of the light, um, you're not going to have a direct access to see the retina. And then when I'm looking around I just have the patient look in the direction that I, of the, of the retina that I want to see. So if I look superiorly, um, you know, I would stand almost at the foot or, or kind of uh, on, underneath the patient's chin, basically. So if they're laying down, I'm standing on the chin side of the patient, I'm having them look up. And again, I'm then creating a line from my light up until that um, retina. But um, those are kind of the, the big things. So kind of creating that line and kind of keeping that in mind and, it's very awkward because you're kind of controlling, you know, the indirect with one hand, the lens in one hand, and the patient's uncomfortable. So you just got to keep doing it over and over. And there's really no um, substitute for um, continuing to do it. And then just keep in mind, you know, it's not a comfortable exam. So especially if you're in an attending clinic, you know, the you don't want to upset the patient too much, especially before the attending comes in. So you know, you don't in the beginning, especially you don't have to see the retina every time. So I think sometimes people feel really defeated if they're not, you know, seeing everything all the time, but um, that's fine. Um, just, you know, don't linger too much to that. You're again, disrupting the workflow or, or making the patient uncomfortable because uh, over time with the repeated reps, you'll, you'll get a better view.
0: Yeah. I think that was some of the best advice I received two things really. Cause I watched my attending do it so many times. And I was like, okay, I know how to put it on, which I think for any medical student, the first step is look at the parts, look at a YouTube video of how to put it on your head because nothing is more embarrassing than the attending hands it to you. And you like, don't even like, I have a big head, so I would always have to make it bigger. And I'm like, how do I adjust the knob in the back? There's two knobs, one on the top on the head, one on the way back. They're really big. Those make it bigger, smaller, but After getting it on, I think the red reflex was a huge game changer for me as a student. I'd never, it took a while for me to be told, find the red reflex. Um, So I think that's a really great pearl. And for students, I would find the red reflex and make sure the light source stays on the eye because that's the hardest part. When you're putting the lens into view, oftentimes you move your head and then you're like, I'm not seeing anything. I suggest just taking the lens away like a flicking motion and looking again. Okay. My light is off the eye and readjusting. So I think the red reflex is such a helpful tip because then, you know, you're going to see the retina. If you put your lens in the right spot, some part of the retina, at least.
1: Yeah. And, and the red reflex, basically, it tells you going back to like creating that line. It tells you that from your light to the retina, you've established that line that you need to be able to see things. And I think something that's very important, like you said, um, Most people sometimes when they're starting out will, um, you know, lose that line without really noticing it when they're putting the lens into place. So have your lens ready. Um, So usually have it, you know, in in my right hand or depending on which side of the patient I am. And then it's basically just kind of tilted off the eye. And as soon as I have that reflex, then I just move it back. So there's really minimal movement. So you're decreasing the chance that you're going to lose that line that you've made. Um, but like you said if you're not seeing something and this goes for the 90 diopter exam as well just reset kind of go back find that red reflex uh, um, because sometimes people will kind of continue to struggle and it's like if you just take the time to stop for a second go back it'll be much easier um, rather than fishing around you know with the with the lens and you know I will say I think sometimes it's more embarrassing for us when we're starting to not know how to use things certainly but again I don't think people are, expecting you at least at you know certainly at the medical student level to know how to um, do these things and but i like you were saying i think it's you can put yourself in a position to to do well um and and that goes back to going you know before clinic um and just ask the fellow again before you started to see patient because the fellow is usually there uh if they have one beforehand And just take the indirect and say, hey, how do I put this on? And, you know, um, just kind of do it in a setting where you're not really going to be kind of stressed out. And outside of the adjustments, um, you know, again, things I take for granted, given that I've done it so many times now, but... Um, that are important is the uh, interpupillary distance so there's usually little sliders on the bottom of the oculars and you have to find out um, if you're having binocular vision so usually i'll you know stick my hand out in front of my face at a working distance to shine the light on it and then i'll close one eye and then see if i can see the light through the ocular with that eye and then i'll switch and if you're not, that means you have to adjust one of the oculars because you won't see things in three dimensions if you're only using, you know, if you're only getting light input into one eye. Um, so, you know, again, keep it very standardized, put it on your head, get it fit, feeling well, and then kind of go through your checks, you know, uh, check the light source, um, check the, um, the, the oculars to make sure that they're a good distance. Um, and one other tip that's maybe once you've started seeing the retina Sometimes patients don't dilate very well, so what you can do is actually decrease the light size. Um, so again, going back to our principle that we're trying to get this light through the pupil, you can imagine if your pupil's smaller, if you have a smaller diameter light, it's easier to get that light into the eye. The trade-off is that your you know your field that you're working with shrinks with a smaller amount of light, uh, but that can be really helpful as well to um, working with small pupils and patients who have had past surgery or who have diabetes with a tonic pupil or trauma or any you know, number of conditions might not um, be able to dilate fully. So that's just something to, to try as well.
0: That's a really great tip. And yeah, I don't think even people are surprised when I know how to look at the retina as an intern. So it's definitely not the expectation of the medical student, but for those interested in retina, it did really solidify for me wanting to do retina. I think the fundus is a super cool image to see And I think the the second point that you had mentioned earlier that I found most helpful as a student is you don't have to see the whole thing. Have them look at your ear, find the red reflex, anchor your hand somewhere, either like on their cheek or on their forehead so that when you slide the lens in, you're not just floating all over and just try to see the nerve or see the retina once. And if you're popping in before an attending clinic, I completely agree. Obviously, we want you to learn, but. Patients hate getting their eyes looked at by me and the attending, let alone the med student and the resident and the attending. So keep it brief when you're first starting out, especially if you don't know what you're doing. Um, And the more you do, the better you'll get.
1: Yeah, for sure. And usually, um, you know, if it's something interesting to the attending, you know, we'll usually make an effort to, to, you know, have the patient, you know, kind of withstand the discomfort so that, because again, sometimes you have, like you said, the med student resident fellow and the attending. um, So it can be up to four people. Um, which can be kind of annoying for the patient, but most of the time, um, you know, they, they, they don't mind, but yeah, just, you know, practice kind of makes perfect, you know, that old adage, uh, it kind of goes here as well, I think. Yeah.
0: And quickly for the 90 exam. So the 90 diopter lens is the smaller lens that we usually use at the slit lamp, especially to visualize the optic nerve and the macula closer up. So what are some good positioning tips or getting started with the 90?
1: Yeah, I think it's, um again, the same general principles, really, as the 20 uh, diopter or the indirect exam. Um, I think it tends to be a little bit easier, um, but it really, again, relies on you creating a line from your eye and the light source to the retina. And so basically, when I'm getting ready to do my 90 exam, um, I line up the slit lamp. So the slit lamp being can you know be rotated, and we often rotate it to look at different parts of the eye and um, assess different structures. But generally, I start with it headed straight on. I make it thin. You know, you don't want to make it you know all the way thin down because then you won't really see anything. But if it's too wide, um, it can be hard again to kind of fit all that light through the lens. So uh, about a medium size. Um, you want it fairly bright, but if it's too bright, the patient may not be able to tolerate it well. So If you don't have a medial opacity, you can generally get away with not all the way to the brightest setting, but right up setting right before that. And then let's say I'm looking at, you know, a a left eye. So then I usually will use my left hand in that situation and a right eye for, excuse me, the opposite. So if I'm looking at a patient's right eye, I'm going to use my left hand with the 90 and vice versa. And then, but I'm going to start with the same principle. So I'm going to line up my slit lamp. Um, and then I'm going to, I always kind of peek to the side, just make sure everything's, um, in a line and then I'll have them look if they're, if it's their right eye, I'll have them look at my right ear. So, um, kind of across to find the nerve, but you'll see the red reflex again. And if you have the red reflex and like you say, you just kind of switch the lens in, in front of the light path, um, you should be able to see the nerve. The kind of one other component after you put the lens into place is, You can very finely adjust um, using the joystick of the slit lamp the focus to bring everything into focus sometimes you, you can also adjust your hand with the lens position but usually it's easier to actually use the joystick itself and usually if people aren't seeing something um it's usually because they're not you know they've lost that red reflex at some point in um you know manipulating the lens or the slit lamp so Again, once you've gotten that red reflex and everything's in a line, just make it so that you just flip your lens in. And then the one other thing I'd say now in kind of the COVID era is if patient's wearing a mask, just make sure that that mask is really um, tight if it has a metal frame or you tape it because, or have the patient bring it down um, because that'll easily fog up the lens and it's it's very annoying. We um, can make it impossible to see. I, I do think since COVID actually people probably do the 90 exam much less frequently, but it's very important uh, especially for assessing, like you said, the nerve and 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 certainly the macula. But same general principles, red reflex, make sure everything's in a line and kind of slip the um, 90 in and out. Um, and I would, like you said, start there, make sure you can see the nerve and then you can start kind of moving things around using the joystick to, to to kind of look in different parts of the eye and also having the patient look, look right, left, up, and down. But if they look up, for example, you have to kind of adjust your lens up as well with the light source. And obviously that's more difficult than just having them look uh, straight on.
0: Yeah. I think with the fogging, I was also going to mention that because it definitely can affect your your view. Other things that have gotten in the way that I didn't realize were if the lens is dirty or really scratched, sometimes that can make it really difficult. Um, So just clean, sometimes I'll just clean off my lens with an alcohol wipe and dry it with a tissue. I also find that patients with really bad ocular surface disease or dry eye sometimes their eyes will water and suddenly my view is super blurry. So I'll have them blink. Um, So little adjustments like that can help you realize, you know, what's you messing up versus what's just environmental and all you have to do is change something around.
1: Definitely. And one thing too, um, is sometimes if it's a patient who's really, um, light sensitive, I'll just not even necessarily open their eyelid. Um, you know, cause sometimes just in, uh, them resisting you opening their eyelid, it's better to just let them blink when they need to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that way you're not kind of, you know, moving your hand so much, Um, it can be easier to just kind of look every time they blink, basically.
0: Yeah. And always for both of these, anchor your hand somewhere. So in the 90 diopter exam, there's that white band that goes across the forehead and I'll normally rest, you know, my ring finger, my pinky finger, and then use my index and thumb to hold the lens and bring it into view. With the 20, I always rest my hand because if you're fighting your own floating shaking whatever it is hand <laughs> it makes the exam so much more difficult or anchor your elbow
1: the, yes and they have like the little cushions sometimes that you can stack underneath your elbow um, and the other thing too is sometimes a patient drifts so if you find that you you know you had a view and you lost it um, again just look at outside kind of look at the patient so it's really important that their forehead is touching that white band that you mentioned that their chin is in the right spot. And sometimes if you have someone else in the room and, you know, maybe an older patient, it's helpful to kind of help them prop up um, because, you know, every time they're moving back, that's changing kind of the focal point um, that you need to find. And it can be hard to kind of chase that when it's it's literally a moving target.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for all of your helpful tips today.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Um, and I encourage you know people to get in the clinics. Um, it can be intimidating, but uh, like you said, I think that's really where you can get your hands dirty and 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 really get involved in the exam and uh, fall in love with ophthalmology, which uh, you know I obviously did. I you know you did as well. So <laughs> it's a great specialty.
0: Agreed. And to learn more about the lens, you can follow us on Twitter at at the lens underscore oph and make sure to visit www.LensOphthalmology.com